Hello everyone and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris and I'm here with Stu. Again, hello. Again, you, you don't know the pain we've gone through trying to make this episode happen. Tom can't be here. We're recording at a weird day and time that we don't normally, but we're here now. We're here and we're ready to talk. We have a lot to talk s- about. So so much serious, serious business to talk about today. <laughs> let's just, let's get straight in. Um, we'll start with qualifying or more what happened after qualifying. Um, obviously, Hamilton took pole after looking fastest for pretty much all the weekend, as I think we expected. Yeah, half a second around Interlagos is, yeah, uh, and then Formula One car as well, is it's a huge, huge, huge amount. Pretty short track by Formula One standards. Yeah, that is a different league yeah. of speed. So is. fast. Um, but obviously, we then found out that he was under investigation because his DRS flap was opening wider than the 85 millimeters permitted. Um, and then at the same time, we found out Verstappen was under investigation for breaking Park Fermi rules because he went and had a poke around some rear wings after the session. Uh, there was like something like 15 hours of back and forth and teams and drivers going to and from the stewards. Like I've never known anything like it. Yeah, just I'm shaking my head. Like in, in years of following Formula One, I have never, ever, ever seen a decision take so long to be decided and I mean, just so much back and forth and tit yeah. for tat, it seemed like just a lot of weirdness going. I would love to have been in the room. Oh, yeah. I would love to have seen what they were saying. Like, I would always rather they take more time and come to the right decision. But this did seem like yeah. a particularly long time and laugh off. And whether they did come to the right decision or not is up for debate. But yeah, well, let's, get, let's get into it. We can get into that. Should we do, should we do Hamilton first, I guess? Because that's the real meat of this, isn't it? Um. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, look, we could we can quickly just you know let let's let's just get Verstappen out of the way because that's quick. That's yeah. Easy. That's that's actually we- pretty quick. So Verstappen was given a fifty thousand euro fine um, for touching cars under park Fermi conditions. The stewards report said while what he did was insignificant and did no direct harm, it was in breach of the regulations and has potential for serious consequences. For what it's worth, Hamilton himself agreed that the DRS issues that they had were completely unrelated. It was just sort of kind of almost by chance that the two things intersected. But yeah, exactly that. Um, he, he was actually looking for something completely different. Yeah. He'd just been asked by the team to take a look at the wing. But the problem he's got is you can look, but you can't touch. Exactly. You mustn't touch. Um, and he, he, despite, you know, there's, photos, there's been photos flying around the internet about Vettel touching guards here and mm-hmm. there and stuff like that. But I guess the rule hasn't been that strongly policed. But I think in a no. season like this, when the two main title protagonists are involved, just don't, just, just don't break the rule. Just no. don't. You know, you open up a can of worms, and and I think the right decision. I think ultimately, it probably was the right decision to give him a fine rather than a sporting. Um, I completely agree. A sporting penalty, but but still, just the whole thing was just a bit silly. I yeah, and it does, and it muddied the waters for the actual investigation, which is why it took so long. Because yeah, completely. Verstappen touching it made it gave Mercedes the opportunity to say well he's touched our wing he's not allowed to do that that's he, the thing he could like, in theory have caused it which of course he couldn't yeah as, as as much as all common sense says there's no way he caused that damage the second he touched it meant there was a non-zero chance that he touched it yeah which exactly instantly that. makes it a much more complicated and issue. that's the key word non-zero yeah. yeah even if that's like 0.0000001 percent chance yeah 
But I will, you know, but at the same time, I will contend that those wings are designed to be pushed down, not lifted up. And he did. He was prodding it from the back, which the force would have been pushing it up. Yeah, so maybe I he was feeling so. for. He might have been feeling for a little bit of wibbleman or something a in bit there. Bit of flexing it. Yeah, but still, yeah. no human can exert without tools. No human <laughs> yeah. can exert the ultimate force that's going to take to break something so strong. So, exactly. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think a, a fine is the right thing to do under the circumstances. Uh, the, the, I can't remember the exact wording, but what the steward said, reading between the lines was like, we're giving him a fine this time. This doesn't mean it costs you 50,000 euros to poke at someone else's car. There's a very good yeah. chance we'll come down harder on this sort of thing in the future. Yeah, and I think that's the right thing to say as well, because you, yeah. you just can't have people, you know, where's the line? Like. Mm-hmm. Do, do you walk up and wibble someone's barge board and something snaps off? And you're like, oops. It just came off in my hand. Is that, yeah, that's because that's worth 50k. Because, <laughs> isn't it? If you're a Formula One driver yeah. and you fight for a championship. Because I love Vettel's team radio when he was like, oh, I'm going to go and have a poke at the rear wing now. And um, his uh, <clears throat> engineer was like, don't you dare. So Vettel said, oh, maybe I'll try the front wing. That might only be 25k. And it's yeah. like, <clears throat> did you put a price on breaking the rules? So, yeah, it's just bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, on that side of things, I think we can say common sense probably prevailed in the way that that was policed. Which on moves, this day, yes. Which moves us on to Hamilton. Um, <laughs> so the specifics are, the when the when DRS opens, the gap can be no more than 85 millimetres, and they test that by pushing an 85 millimetre gauge into the gap with a force of up to 10 newtons. And if it can go through, it means it's against the rules. Um, it did go through the gap on Hamilton's car at one end of the rear wing, not in the middle and not at the other end. The stewards yeah. said that they had no reason to believe it was anything intentional by Mercedes or gave them any advantage. Um, and that it was almost certainly just something breaking. However, by the letter of and the law... Yet. Yeah, but by the letter of the law... The slot gap was more than 85 millimetres, therefore he was disqualified. Mercedes were not best pleased, I think it's fair to say. Um, Toto Wolf said it only failed by 0.2 millimetres, which is an unfathomably small amount. I don't yeah, know if... That, that's, that's about the width of a human head. That's like you could put a piece of sellotape on the wig where they put the gauge through and it would then pass the test. That's how thin of a gap it was. Yeah. Um, Mercedes obviously said the stewards should apply some common sense. They also pointed to like other teams being able to repair stuff before and after sessions and that they were just victims of the timing it was discovered, which I think there's something to that. Yeah, well, I think that that's part, got partly to do with Verstappen muddying the waters as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that did certainly like made it's it contributed more difficult, to didn't it? it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I've. We've obviously had a few days to think about this. I'm still kind of struggling with this. Like, as much as it didn't give an advantage, it was accidental. If they'd have noticed it before, they would have just been able to repair it and get on with it. At the end of the day, at the point it was measured, the gap was 85.02 millimeters. And if you allow that, it means the... If, if you allow that to pass, it means that the regulation isn't 85 millimetres, it's 85.02 millimetres. No, no, and I then don't if, agree. And then if next week someone has one and it's another few points of a millimetre, they like, oh, we'll let them off this time. And 
Well, no, but when it's obviously broken, though. Yeah. This, that's, that's the thing. I think that's the, that's the issue Mercedes have got is, you know, Red Bull of three races in a row been allowed to repair their wings after qualifying because mm-hmm. of cracks or because of whatever. But Mercedes aren't allowed to repair their damaged wing after qualifying. So what's that about? Why is that? It's it's, there, it's a victim of timing, isn't it? It's a victim mm. of... Because I don't... I, th- I think I'm right in saying that they don't go around and do these tests on every single car after every single session. No, they do, actually. That, that After qualifying, every car... Okay, that is that one of the times they do? Okay, that, that's one yeah. time they do. Um, but, but I think the fact that one side was passing... You know, one side of it and the middle were passing the test and yeah. the other side weren't points to really you know really obviously points to it either being damaged or or finger trouble mm-hmm. and there's no advantage to be gained from them i don't think from that 0.02 millimeters is such a minute amount yeah i mean if mercedes that, said if anything it was a disadvantage because the wing wasn't well, straight probably, probably wasn't wing. yeah exactly you'd have like uneven downforce on your car yeah completely very uh, all but an unnoticeable amount like yeah. all these margins are so fine that it is literally when you consider how much quicker they were anyway <laughs> like this has nothing to do with how quick they were in qualifying no and not at all it, i think it was just they threw the book at them they just threw the book at them it yeah it I, the, the common sense thing would have been to say it's obvious this wasn't well that they said they did say it's obvious this isn't deliberate has given an advantage so the obvious next step from that is like so we will let them off at this time i guess the counter argument is mercedes should build a rear wing that doesn't break through normal running and break itself outside of the rule book but they don't know what if if something's flown up if a tire marble's flown up in but something's flown up and hit it at high speed you know like yeah these cars are going what 200 miles an hour at times and if something's flicked off the back of a car at at, and and hits the rear wing if it's coming in the opposite direction the impact of that is a 200 plus whatever Mm -hmm. speed it's coming at you miles an hour impact that's probably enough of it hitting just the right point if it weighed just the right amount to do (laughs) 0.2 millimeters worth of damage so you know like i i just think it's I don't want to use the word unfair because it's extremely hard. But it's, it's it's very yeah. I think it's a, to, to disqualify them from qualifying for that. And that's is, the thing is if, kind of outrageous. If it was one of the things where the stewards had the option to give different penalties and maybe gave him like a three place or a five place, fair yeah. enough. But because this is a technical regulations thing, it is they just disqualification blanket. Yeah. I, mean, um, I think it was silly. I mean, it was. I, 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 you know what? I don't mind it because it gave us a hell of a sprint race and yeah. a hell of a race. But and it, it I act- think that compounding uh, as well, like the fact that they already knew they were going to have a five pace grid penalty anyway mm-hmm. for um, for the engine change. Maybe, maybe they knew that they were so quick that they just wanted a really good show and they wanted Hamilton <laughs> to have to come through the whole field because they knew it. <laughs> everyone kind of knew that that was going to happen i think like it, the the speed differential was yeah. so much that lap half a second quicker more than half a second quicker it's pretty obvious that he's going to be able to get some overtaking done and we know that people can you can overtake on this track that's yeah. clear <laughs> from this weekend so but i don't think to the extent anyone i don't think anyone expected yeah. to the extent it happened 
Um, I think the big fear at the time as well was that this was going to be what decided the championship. That I think every, yeah. people were a lot more up in arms than they might Definitely. have been if this happened, say, at the start of the season. Yeah, if this was because, Bahrain, it wouldn't be nearly as big a deal. Yeah, no, you'd just be like, oh, oh goodness, oh dear, they've, they've got a penalty, they'll have to recover over the season. Yeah. Whereas because we're late in the season, because it's so tight, you just do not want this to to affect them to affect the championship. I think it has cost them at least one point. Mm-hmm. Because, well, it's cost them three points. Yeah, four points, because of the sprint say, points. Because the, they would have got three sprint points and they probably would have got the fastest lap point because he would have got so far ahead if he'd not had to do early overtaking yeah. that he could have just punted the fastest lap and yeah, almost stopped certainly. and done the fastest lap. So it has still cost them points. I think that gap wouldn't be, what is it, 11 points now? Uh, I think so, yeah. So I think you'd be looking at closer to a 10, 9, maybe a 9-point gap because obviously Verstappen's going to get points from the sprint 14, race. sorry, the gap is now. 14. So yeah. I reckon it'd be, I think all all things being equal, it would be a 12-point gap now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we got a hell of a race out of it. So, And it you can just also add this to the list of things in the championship that maybe haven't been fair but have had an effect on it and... Ultimately, yeah. over this year, I don't think either one of them have had significantly more or less luck than the other between Verstappen and Hamilton. We can probably look mm. back on it at the end of the season and see where the things changed. But like, yeah, and I'm sure we will. <laughs> yeah, probably will. Um, but now is not the time to do that. Um, but you're right, though. Like, however you feel about it, it did set us up for. I don't think it's hyperbole to say two actually of the best drives I've probably ever seen in formula one i think so without turning this into a classic lewis hamilton circle jerk yeah um that was i i'd say the same if it was anyone if ricardo yeah, if Reichen had done it if, if if verstappen had done it anyone you know you come from the back to yeah what overtake 14 cars i think he overtook in the sprint and then another i mean from 10th to first in, yeah um in the race against competition like Verstappen, I cannot see how that's not the drive of his life. No, it was across the two races. So across a race and a third of distance, he overtook 25 cars. Yeah. More than a grid's worth of cars <laughs> bonkers, in a race. And third, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the sprint, he went from last to fifth in 24 laps. Um, I've not, I've not seen anyone who's done the research to hundred percent confirm this, but I've seen people claim People say they think if you work it out as positions gained per kilometre raced, the sprint <laughs> race was the most in F1 history. No one has ever overtaken that many cars in that many kilometres of racing, which yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if that turned out to be true. They must be so glad they took that fresh engine. <laughs> that turned out to be like the the thing that won them the race. Because if they'd had an old engine, they there's just no way they no, would have had no that way. kind of pace. There's some actually no. I'll save that theme box because I've got a question about it later on. Uh, we should mention from the sprint, like Bottas had a really good start on soft tires, helped by Verstappen having a tardy start because his gears weren't synced properly. But um, I think for Bottas to take the lead on soft tires when most of the guys behind him are on mediums and then keep those soft tyres going to the end to hold the lead of that sprint race. It was a, it was a really solid drive from Bottas there. Big Somewhat time, yeah. overshadowed, but <laughs> worth mentioning. Um, not really a ton else of note from the sprint race to mention, really. 
No, well, we've got enough to talk about. So yeah. We don't need to sort of go, go into too much more about the sprint. Yeah. So the race itself, as we said, Hamilton sold that five place penalty for the new um, internal combustion engine, which meant he started 10th. Um, this time, second place is the place to start in Brazil, apparently. Verstappen took the lead from second this time. Um, didn't force anyone wide into turn no. what, two, did he? No, I think Bottas didn't do a great job of the first two corners. I think Bottas over-defended Verstappen, which in turn gave Perez a run on him, which is how Bottas ended up dropping to third, is what it looked mm. like to me. Like, he came out of turn two just the the wrong side of the track to the racing line all over the shop, and Perez just, like, cruised past him, which was, mm. like... Yeah, I agree, I agree with you. If he'd just taken the outside line and not concerned himself with what Verstappen was doing, I guess he didn't want to give Verstappen the opportunity to, to push him wide. Yes, that's the thing. He's trying to buy as much track space as he can. And in doing so, he's taken himself off the racing line and um, allowed Verstappen to take the racing line into turn two, which then the inevitable, he forces Bottas wide because that's Mm -hmm. what he does. And at that point in time, one, two for Red Bull, going pretty good for them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Looking looking pretty tidy, this race at this point for Red Bull. uh, Enter Lewis Hamilton. He was up to seventh on the first lap. He was fifth by the start of lap three, third by the start of lap five. Um, <laughs> he managed to get past Perez the first time on lap 18, but Perez actually, I thought, did a really good job of yeah. positioning his car to come back at him into turn four. That was that was like the racing of the weekend, I think, those two yeah. through that section. That was definitely... that. That was, I would say maybe my move of the day Perez retaking that position yeah it was really because he he, as soon as he realized he was losing the place in turn one he then positioned his car through the next few turns to make sure he was getting more of a slingshot onto that next race it was yeah really really and he did his job you know his job at that point is make it as difficult as possible Mm -hmm. for Hamilton wreck his tires do whatever you can to keep him behind kind of thing and he definitely did obviously within the bounds of the rule book and yep. he absolutely did that. <laughs> he definitely gave Hamilton a harder time getting past than anyone else over two days of racing. Yeah. Um, up until else? that point. And up until that up point until in that time, point. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Hamilton obviously got in the next lap and pulled away quite quickly. Uh, Mercedes pit Hamilton first, and he, he didn't undercut Verstappen, but they took a good chunk of time out of his lead. And Verstappen was obviously straight on the radio saying, we need to not let them do that a second time, which they didn't. Um, Red Bull pulled the trigger first. Yeah. Um, but they... The whole time, Red, Red Bull seemed a bit spooked, I think, by how this race panned out. Because if you look at... It seems to me like Red Bull didn't expect overtaking to be particularly easy this weekend. And as a result, set up their cars to just be fast. Whereas Mercedes, I think, with a combination of the new engine and the penalties kind of seemed to set their cars up more, a slightly more compromised setup to give them the top end to overtake. And like, I know there's all this talk motive from Red Bull about, oh, the Mercedes are so fast in a straight line. Something weird's going on. But it just looked to Mm. me like they set their cars up to be able to overtake. And I don't think Red Bull maybe anticipated that as much. No. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think Mercedes. Well, uh, Red Bull have looked 
they looked rattled from practice yeah. practice two, practice one. Um, so they they normally re, in recent races, Christian Horner has been quite peppy and quite bouncy. Quite is bullish, what haven't they? Be, yeah, quite quite bullish to, to for want of a better expression. And um, <laughs> I didn't even mean that pun. No, that was that was a genuine accident. <laughs> Um, totally throw me. They, so yeah, Christian Horner's looked quite rattled this weekend. He's looked mm. quite sort of. He's looked very concerned. He's not really been very smiley. He's been quite. Um, you've just you can hear the concern in his voice. And I've I've been saying this for a few races now. Like he keeps pointing towards things on that Mercedes that are supposedly that they think are. He's not quite gone as far as to say are illegal, but. You know, he's definitely pointing towards that idea that there's something about the Mercedes that isn't necessarily in compliance with the rules. Yeah. And to me, it, it just smacks of, I don't know, maybe it's because I'd rather see the Mercedes win this year than the Red Bull. But to me, it just feels like sour grapes. It feels like when, when, it feels like he's been a bit of a sore loser when they lose. Yeah, it's, I think it'd be easier to swallow. I, I was thinking about this the other day and it'd be easy to swallow if we didn't have the reverse situation earlier this season where Mercedes were saying the Red Bull's definitely got some parts that are flexing under load and are pushing mm. the rules. And Red Bull were like, don't be silly, of course. We're not, oh, they're just like trying to find an angle because they can't beat us. And now it's the reverse and they're just playing the opposite roles. And yeah, it's just always yeah. the way, isn't it? Yeah, but I think like, it's funny you say that because... Because uh, Christian Horner over the weekend actually sort of admitted that they were having, <laughs> that they had a flexible rear wing, but he alluded to it. He was like, "So you know, they got us. They we had to change our rear wing for." He said, "We yeah. had to change our rear yeah. wing for the Mercedes." That's an admittance that their rear wing was outside of regulation. And obviously, you know, if you look on the rear wings now, you can see on the rear facing cameras, you can see those little dots. On the yeah. little greenish colored dots on the uh, various points around the edges of the wing, um, and those are there because of that protest, uh, that that protest, that clarification, that rule mm-hmm. clarification. Um, Rebel obviously a bit cheesed off about that. I'm sure Mercedes were doing something similar, oh, and for now sure. they've obviously everyone's sort of complied and and got their wings in back within the rule set for the technical regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort but, of seems like Mercedes have maybe done a better job of regaining yeah, that I, performance than anyone else have. I think that's probably it. I think mm. I don't think it's necessarily a trick rear wing. It could maybe be maybe that if it the I had this idea that with Verstappen poking around underneath the rear wing, he might be feeling for holes or something or like slots. So maybe there's some sort of intravenous aero similar to the F yeah. that was going on. But I don't think that's even in possible within the that regulations. Probably now, wouldn't I be. Yeah, there's and maybe like be able to tell thinner sections of the wing that allow some flexibility, possibly as well. But even then, it's maybe but you're not. He's not going to be able to feel that. Though, no, is he? It, not it, unless it's like if if there's nothing feel, there'll be nothing you could see it, and you can't. So, yeah, I, it's strange to me that Red Bull were pointing out how wide the rear wing was opening as well during the during yeah. practice. They was they were sort of saying that you can see that there's something wrong with the rear wing, but I don't believe that they could. I think they were saying that to try and G up the... Just to stir a bit of... Yeah, just to stir it up more and yeah. make it 
just to muddy the water even more. And as we, it feels like we say this every week, but it's just all part of the game, isn't it? Like it is. one's yeah, always totally. been about let's bend the rules and let's look for other people bending the rules and point it out. And and also part of the game is to you know there's a political part to the game, which is. Yeah, totally. make the stewards want to look at a car. And that's absolutely what Mercedes... Yeah. That's the strategy here. The strategy here from Red Bull is put the Mercedes car under as much scrutiny as possible so that when these things do occur, they have to apply penalty. And we saw that borne out this weekend. Mm. Yeah, completely. But anyway, we've gone backwards a little bit there, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Let's go back to... Yeah, so we got to the second stops um, and I said Rebel winning first. And Mercedes did the thing they've done a few times this season, USA most recently, where they don't just react to the pit stops and they give it a few laps, which actually hasn't worked out for them that many times. Like obviously in USA, they got close to it working, but not close enough. Um, This time they only did it for three laps and did lose some time in the process. But then it took like five laps for him to be right back on his tail again. Like, yeah, they just knew the pace that they had there. Just mm. three I laps of losing say, time wouldn't make a difference. I would say with Bottas, that it might have been worth the risk to leave him out mm-hmm. because he probably would have been able. He might have been able. There was a chance that he might have been able to defend. I don't think he would have necessarily been vulnerable to Perez, but I think he, he might have been vulnerable at the end of the race to to Verstappen but I could be completely yeah. wrong I haven't looked at the timesheets so I don't Bottas, know it felt at the time to me Bottas certainly felt that um, he he basically said that we're throwing away an easy one two here he thought that he could have easily one stopped it um, he kind of looked out a bit by because um, he lost that position to Perez at the start and he gained it back through the virtual safety car um, but I, I, I kind of I agree with you on that that if he'd have one stopped, I, th- I think at worst he'd have finished third behind Verstappen, but there was a chance he'd have been able to hold him off. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So then we got to Hamilton and Verstappen. Um, first first oh, attempt. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Forgot about this. How could I forget about this? I know. What? This is like the thing. Well, it's not the thing. There's lots of the things this week, isn't there? Yeah. Um, So what I thought was interesting before we get into like the turn four incident, what I thought was interesting through this whole phase was that the way Hamilton set up the move was by dummying into turn one, making Verstappen defend fresh air, putting him offline through two and three, which gave Hamilton a better run. And I was, when, when the first attempt that he did that didn't come off for reasons we'll get into, I thought Hamilton's going to struggle here because there's no way Verstappen's going to make that same mistake a second time. And he did. And I was really surprised by that. Mm. Like when he did get past him, Hamilton kind of just did the same thing. He gave it the dummy and Verstappen dived to the inside line unnecessarily. And that surprised me. Well, I think... uh, Obviously, he doesn't want to leave the door open. I mean, we know that about... No. So, like, I think really, like, when you're the defending driver in that situation, you either defend fresh air or you risk being overtaken at that point. You do. Is the thing. So, I, cause, I because just... Hamilton can just do what he doesn't do in that situation. True. But given the championship positions, I don't think Hamilton was ever going to sling it up the inside of turn one. I don't, I think no. that was too risky a move. No, but that's it. That's really easy to say. 
in hindsight it and, is oh it totally is and when you're not in you know when you're not sat in the cockpit like when when yeah. Verstappen sat in the cockpit and and it's you know you've got the blood pressure's up the the adrenaline's running and your your eyes are on stalk looking <laughs> in your mirrors defending trying to make sure this guy doesn't get by you're going to position your car wherever if you think he's coming through you're putting your car where it, hopefully you're going to make that not happen yeah <laughs> But it um, was it was very good racecraft from Hamilton to again yeah. it's kind of, it's it's sort of going back to what we're saying about Perez isn't it it's like thinking about the lines through multiple corners that's going to set you up best for the one at the end of yeah. that section it's it's thinking two or three corners ahead yeah. isn't it it's it is I mean, we said this about the USA Grand Prix but was it the, sorry the Mexican Grand Prix but this was like again game of chess at two hundred miles an hour wasn't it? yeah. Totally was. And I loved every second of it. <laughs> yeah, it was epic. Um, right, so this the first attempt when I got into turn four and both ended up off the road. Uh, the stewards deemed it no investigation necessary. Which to not even investigate that is a wild yeah, like, choice to me. You've, ri- you've written in the script, <laughs> right, wrong, and you've not even gone for that. You've just gone straight. <laughs> they were you- wrong. <laughs> I mean, it was. Like, I don't no to just not investigate it at all just seemed really weird it was really weird to not investigate it all i'm for me i think i know why but let's get into a bit more and i'll try and explain yeah because later why i think to be to be fair to the stewards for everything else this weekend whether you agree or disagree with the decisions they've been very good at explaining their thought processes and how they came to those decisions. Like all of the statements on all the other penalties were pretty... They're some of the better ones I feel like I've seen this season particularly. The, the, well, they've talked a lot about why they've, why they've yeah, made those yeah, decisions. They've, they've, they've I, explained I how to get I wouldn't, there. I wouldn't necessarily consider all those explanations acceptable explanations. I think there's <laughs> been a lot of instances where they've just blindly contradicted themselves in those explanations yeah like, oh, we, we've we appreciate you know, for example we appreciate that it's only a small amount and it wouldn't make any difference but here's a <laughs> disqualification. disqualification anyway like it's um, whereas this time it was just like no yeah we're not gonna well, bother and, the, and that's all we the, get the, and the other weird thing is if they're going to spend 14 15 hours debating whether or not a rear wing's legal and they're going to spend goodness knows how long deciding whether or not Verstappen should get a fine for touching a car to then not even bother investigating something that actually matters on track. Yeah, is it's like they care about the wrong things, you know? Like, oh, mm. let's, let's focus on the shit that doesn't matter, but we won't focus on stuff that is really, really actually going to make a quite a big difference. To it has big ramifications for people's on track conduct and the way people go racing. But we're not going to look into that. We're just going to look into it's weird, isn't it? Stuff that we can you know throw the book at people with it's bizarre it's yeah really to not even investigate it was it, it made a mockery of the rules for me to not investigate that especially considering the amount of times stuff like that has been investigated the exact same situations mm-hmm. austria yeah um we had uh rosberg and and hamilton um in also in austria Rain, and in austria and in, yeah um we've there's so many instances where people crowd the driver off the track be that mid corner be that part of racing whatever and you know people have been demanded to give the position back verstappen 
left the track in his defence of Hamilton in Bahrain at the start of this year and immediately gave the position back mm-hmm. because he left the track of his own accord. And but he was he was the one trying to overtake. Yeah, he was in attacking. That he was yeah. attacking. Yeah, he was attacking. But he did. You know, he ran himself wide because he took too yeah. much speed into that corner. It wasn't like Hamilton pushed him wide. And he still gave the position back. And to me, it's like, although that, that's obviously a very different situation, still it was investigated. and st- Or it would have absolutely been investigated if they'd not. Sorry, it wasn't investigated, but it definitely would have been investigated if he'd not. Had he stayed ahead, yeah, totally. Yeah. He, he, um, he cut the corner in the USA against Raikkonen. And lost a podium for it because it was investigated because a car left the track. Yeah, it, and... the car went beyond the. And this this is what these things are about. It's about cars leaving the track and gaining or not gaining a lasting advantage. Yeah. So for me, I don't think you know. There's been a lot of talk of the forward facing camera and stuff like that on on the internet. I don't think you necessarily need to see the uh, the forward facing camera no. to come to the conclusion that. Hamilton's been crowded off the track by the driver he's trying to overtake. I think it's very, very clear that he's braked a bit later mm-hmm. and he it's clear from him missing the apex completely by about four foot that he's not made any attempt to to actually make the corner in the same way he had the previous lap. So and, and you can argue, you know, yeah, he's trying to defend a position, but yeah, defend a position, but don't Defend, don't break so late that you risk colliding with the car who's trying to overtake you and you you take both of you my, like metres and metres off the track. It's just outrageous. It's just yeah. a ridiculous attempt to, to defend well, the position. I think it was Norris and Perez in Austria, a very similar situation. And I can't remember which way around they were, but whoever was the, um, the driver on the inside in that situation ended up getting a penalty. And... The difference was when they ran someone wide there, you're running them off into gravel. And mm. here you're running them off into tarmac and everyone. I mean, obviously there's a chance that you could pick up a puncture out there because there's always debris, but ultimately yeah. you're running running people off track into an area where you're both going to carry on. And I don't think that should mean the rules get applied differently, but I think that's a factor in it. Um but, yeah, I mean, telling, but then at the start of the weekend, they said they were watching turn four to make sure no one left the track limits and no one was going to... Mm. If you do go wide there, you get your lap time deleted. So on the one hand, they're saying don't run wide there or you'll be penalised. And then the moment someone runs wide there in the heat of the race, they're just letting it go. It's... Yeah, I think he got very lucky there. There's no there's no choice about it yeah. for me. Like, that, that was... That was a prime example of how you don't defend a position. And, yeah. and I think, you know, we're not on our own. And this is not, again, this is not Hamilton circle jerk. No, this is not like at all. actual, this, this is a serious thing because we've seen, there's a pattern emerging. He does this a lot and we've seen it time and time again. He did it to uh, Ricardo in Hungary when Ricardo was going around the outside of him um, into turn, what, turn three or turn two? Turn two in yeah. Hungary. Um, he did, he's done, yeah, he's done, there's, there's loads of examples you can think of into turn one where he's done it, you know, yeah, Im- Imola against Hamilton or, or into turn, maybe that was turn three or something, but you know, for lap one, it yeah. was lap one. Um, there's a bunch of times when he's done it. That's just a couple. And you just can't go racing like that. You can't have it where the person you're competing against 
the, the has the attitude of if you try to take uh, overtake me, I will either crash into you or I will run you off the track. That's Prob- not racing. The problem is though, according to the stewards, it is. None of these things well, yeah. he's ever got a penalty for. So why is he going to change his approach if it never gets penalised? Yeah, I just don't understand why no one else does it. No one else seems to do it as much. Like you don't really see. Yeah. Maybe we just don't see it. But like, you don't, prob- uh, yeah, there's probably. I guess there's probably Raikkonen, a Raikkonen and who was it? Raikkonen and someone else in the USA. Re- most recent USA race. One of the Alpines. Alonso. Which it was Alonso. Yeah. Raikkonen, it was Raikkonen Alonso, and they both got penalties for it. They both <laughs> yeah. got in trouble for that. Um, so, I, no investigation necessary is absurd to me. I think yeah. the fact that they didn't even investigate it. We're not, you know, Bizarre. we're not even debating the outcome of an invest- yeah. investigation here, which is what you'd expect to be debating. We're debating the fact that they didn't even bother to check if 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 rules have been breached. Now, the reason for that, I think is because they didn't have unequivocal access to well, access to the camera angles that were going to give them an unequivocal answer mm-hmm. as to whether or not he was pushed wide regardless of what what you think whether you know whether he was near the apex or not from the angles that we saw that forward facing camera was key and unfortunately it's just a a quirk of of the live broadcast yeah there was just no way the director was going to be able to flip that back in that moment. There's no way the, the director is going to know that that move is going to be done. And the best camera angle to have at that point is looking back to watch the car approaching and make the overtake. Mm-hmm. And then you, you either flip to, well, you would flip to the wide camera because that you want to see the overtake happen on track. That's yeah. the correct, in my view, that's the correct way of doing it. Um, So the fact that they couldn't see what Verstappen's hands were doing mm-hmm is to me the reason they haven't investigated it even because they know from day dot that they don't have the tools they need to apply a penalty yeah um, um hopefully so, that footage hopefully the footage will be released and we'll see yeah um i mean so so for a bit of context for anyone who doesn't know so uh, every car has multiple cameras but only one of those cameras is actually being broadcast at any one time so if they flipped the rear-facing camera, it means the front-facing camera is no longer being broadcast. Um, But after the race, they can then download the footage from all of them and it's available after the race. But if the front-facing camera is not being used by the live broadcast at that time, that footage then can't be seen until after the race when it's downloaded. Um, That's right. And this goes right back to the start of the season. Um, Bottas and uh, Russell in... Uh, Imola. Yeah. Wait, was that this season or was that last season? No, it was this. That <laughs> it was, was this season. season. Yeah. Um, and it was the same thing there. Like the 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 camera angle that would have given you the best idea of who was to blame there was going to be Bottas's onboard where you could see his steering inputs. And that wasn't available for exactly the same reason. And I, I, I say the same thing I said then. I feel like if you're going to use onboard cameras to help you make stewarding decisions, then the same camera angles for every car need to always be available to them. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think it's you you can't you, know, you can't hamstring them by not giving yeah. them the tools they need to do exactly. their job, can you? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think absolutely it was it was the right. And and to me, I think it's a stonewall penalty. It's a five second penalty minimum. For, I agree. Uh, well, I think that is the that is the penalty. I think for crowding a driver off track is five seconds. Yeah, it usually penalty. is. 
And I, th- so, I feel like if Hamilton hadn't ultimately got past him, this would have been made into a way bigger deal than it is. Like in the yeah. end, it didn't. I suppose you could it argue. Matter, it did, well, it did matter because he's still, there's three points at stake there and that could be the three points that define the championship. So yeah, absolutely, it matters. Bottas could well have got past him or finished ahead of him with a penalty, I suppose. Um, and it's, it's just, beyond all that, it's unsportsmanlike behaviour. No, you, you you just can't you can't be driving like that. Yeah, it's it's not the way you like to see. Yeah, it, you know what? I'm going to say it. Ricardo said it in Hungary about him when he was ran wide by him. He's a sore loser. He, he cannot he cannot stand to be overtaken. No matter what, he cannot stand to be overtaken. And you can when you look back to was it Ocon in Brazil a couple of years ago? He, oh, when fit, he lapped fist- him. Yeah, and he got all fisticuffs in the mm-hmm. pits after. That's that's all the evidence you need. You, that, if you want to know whether or not Verstappen can handle a car moving ahead of him on track, <laughs> you look back to that, and that tells you everything you need to know about Max Verstappen. Or even back to one of the practice sessions in USA. Remember when Hamilton Verstappen had a bit of a race to turn one during one of the practice sessions? Yeah. And, and, and that he called was, him an idiot. Yeah, and even that was... <laughs> Verstappen was like cruising to the final corner. Hamilton passed him. And you can see it from the onboard. The second Hamilton comes alongside him, Verstappen's straight on the throttle. Like, no, you're not getting past me. Yeah, but he did. <laughs> and and the thing, well, the thing about that, we've covered this, so we, I won't go into too much detail, but the thing about that was Verstappen had actually overtaken him when he sh- when the, the agreement is we all the, just hold our places. The we're gentleman's about, we're about agreement. Lap. Yeah. The, does, I mean... This season has proved it doesn't exist. Yeah, well, ge- gentlemen's agreements require gentlemen to <laughs> agree to them, don't they? And I don't think there's any gentlemen left in Formula 1 these not days. Not many of them on the racetrack. No, definitely not on the racetrack. Right, shall we move to the next bit? Yes, as you said, ultimately didn't matter. Hamilton got past a few laps later, um, which means he's managed to pull the championship lead down to 14 points now. Like... After Mexico, I said I felt like that was the ball game and it's all over. And very quickly, it feels like it isn't. Yeah, like I don't know. It's it's very much up in the air again, isn't it? Especially with the races yeah. you've got coming up. Yeah, I think I would say Qatar is a must-win for Verstappen if he wants to win this championship. <sighs> yeah. So I think. I haven't worked. Because I don't exam. think he's he's not winning. I don't think from what I've seen for that that hot lap that they released yesterday, I don't think he's winning in in uh, in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. It doesn't look like it. And I think they'll struggle in Abu Dhabi as well. He with the gap as it is, he needs at least a win from the remaining three for sure. Yeah. Um, it's it's so poised. This this season's just. It's great, best. isn't it? It's I love best. it. I love it. I, 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 I really want it to come down to. Well, I mean, it looks right now. It looks like it probably will come down to the last race. I mean, yeah. it's, it's almost mathematically impossible for it not to come down to the final race. Short now. of one of them having a couple of like DNFs, that's the only yeah, way I think yeah. it wouldn't at this point. Yeah. Um, right. Quickly go through a few of the people who got a lot to get through still. Um, we mentioned Bottas. Perez ended up fourth. He nicked fastest lap on the final lap. Um, really good weekend Ferrari again. They are the only two cars left on the lead lap. They're now up to 31.5 points over McLaren um, after yeah, another the, pretty ropey weekend for McLaren. Yeah, the Ferraris are looking 
better than the McLarens now. It has been a while. It's been a yeah. while coming. They've they've overtaken them in development for sure. Yeah, definitely. That being said, Norris was looking like he was going to come out of turn one in third place. He had a signs yeah. had a shocking start, and Norris had a good one, but. It, it looked to me like Norris just misjudged the room and pulled yeah. across the front of Sainz to me, unfortunately. In fact, yeah. from the helicopter shot, Sainz was moving to the left to try and make more space for him by the looks of it. And Norris still clipped his wing and picked up a puncher, yeah. which was a shame. Unlucky. Yeah, um, he was saved a bit by the safety car, managed to get back to 10th place. Good drive, that. Back to 10. It was, actually, yeah. Um, Ricardo was in the sort of low end of the points for a while, sort of racing the Alpines and Gasly, but he had to retire after a power loss. Um, originally, it looked like another Mercedes engine uh, conking out, but McLaren said they think it was a crack in the chassis where the power unit attaches to the chassis is the cause of it. Um, Ooh. So Ooh not that's a, not a nice one. No, but not a power unit issue, so hopefully that means no penalties for him. Uh mm. Gasly was brilliant, as he has been most races this season. Uh, he lost a few places in the sprint race, but he held seventh in the race. Um, I was gutted. He he um, started the sprint fourth. He did, yeah. And if he'd held on to that, that would have been a point for me in the uh, <laughs> in the predictions league. But most importantly of all, yeah, yeah. Um, he was basically like the second half of the race. Like Gasly and the two Alpines just seemed to be wheel to wheel constantly. Um, as it was, the Alpines ended up behind him 8th and 9th, which actually worked out nicely because that means that the two Alpines in 8th and 9th scored the same points that Gasly scored in 7th. So Alpha Terry and Alpine remain on equal points in the championship. Oh, that's lovely. Lovely <laughs> yeah. symmetry to that. Nice one. Very nice. Uh, I thought Vettel had a good race as well. He, he, was, he was looking good, but the safety car timing kind of ruined his plan, unfortunately. Um, he was catching Norris at the end, but he sort of ran out of laps. We should probably mention Sonoda. He got a 10-second penalty and two points for his clash with Stroll. Um, Yeah. My feeling at the time was he deserved a penalty. 10 seconds was harsh, I think, for me. Mm. It was was definitely Sonoda's fault, I think. Yeah, I mean, why did they even investigate it? No, no, just let them race. No investigation (laughs) necessary. Right, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure Aston Martin would agree when half of Stroll's car was left behind at turn one. That's fair, and we've got a safety car for that reason as well. Didn't yeah, we? because of the uh... there was so much debris after that. Yeah, was, I was expecting punctures and more, yeah, more safety cars. As it happened, it was just a couple of VSCs, wasn't it? And um, and then we had one safety car, one VSC. We had yeah. I'm glad they did because if that have left the debris there, it would have meant turn one was no longer a viable overtaking point which would have been a shame for the rest yeah, of the that race just, that was never gonna yeah stay there though i think someone would have eventually just gone for it anyway and tried to scoop up the <laughs> yeah probably with their nose or something um right i'm gonna keep us moving uh yeah driver of the day um i've, I've, I've put driver of the day slash weekend i feel like yeah, sprint sprint weekends. We should like include the sprint race as well. I think that's good. I think that's good because it is essentially a race with a red flag before the the main event. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was always going to give this to whoever won the race because if Verstappen had won it, to absorb all that pressure from a much faster car would have been the drive of his life. Yeah, and absolutely. for Hamilton to win it from the position that he started. 20th 20 minus 5 
I think again, I, I just you know what when someone's had the drive of their life like yeah. that, and it's, it really is that for me is the drive of his career over the weekend, over those two races. I think races. so as well. It what just was, has to be Hamilton. Like, what I, you'd be mad not to argue. Yeah, I do. You, you can't like, and it's not even like there's a midfield performance that super stands out to maybe try and nah, back it either. Really. Like, <laughs> maybe Norris. You know, honorable mention to Norris for getting himself. But back then up that's to temp. That's one of those where he got back up as yeah. a result of his own mistake. So yeah, he could have had a much better finish if he'd not. Exactly. Um, I think interesting from Hamilton as well this weekend was obviously. Mercedes, Toto in particular, were like visibly livid and telling anyone that would listen how livid they were. Yeah. Hamilton was just very quiet the whole weekend. Because he, he knew, man. He yeah. Knew, he knew he had like, the car to do the job. There's no point he's a, effing and jeffing guy, about it. That guy's a different person. When he knows he's got a good car, you can see he, he just beams. You, you mm. could see it at the end of the race. You could see it after yeah. the sprint. It just it was, everything was just water over ducks. But and that's what it's like for any Formula One driver when you've got a car that you know you can just shred in. Yeah. Then you know, you, of course, you, you're not going to give a monkey's where you start because you know you're going to win the race, especially and, when you've got that kind of an advantage. Yeah. So who can blame him? And, and like with all the drama, he he just did his driving on the track. He's talking on the track, I should say, and like that's yeah. He, he, well, he definitely did his driving on the track. Cause, yeah. <laughs> except when he got pushed off the track but yeah, yeah. Um, move of the day I think you've already said the one earlier on that I was thinking of as well I yeah, mean I think let's make it quick I mean we've got 25 to choose from for Hamilton it's bound to be one of them <laughs> yeah there was the honourable mention to Hamilton's move on Norris at the end of the sprint I think that was a that was a nice way to round off the race that was just like a proper dive down the inside mm. into turn one that was a that was a bit of a showstopper race norris tried but, yeah. to downplay it by saying he wasn't really defending it but still it was good yeah he was kidding though a bit yeah, wasn't he because he, yeah. he had a bit of a tongue-in-cheek moment he did it was yeah. definitely um yeah i think hamilton and perez's um racing i think to the the pair of them their yeah. race yeah against each other the, the, the driving standards there were very very high and it, that was a game of chess at 200 miles an hour, 100% to, to you know, without sort of laboring that phrase too much. Yeah. Um, um, Honorable mention as well, not very often we do this, but um, Mazepin, don't know if you've seen yeah, him I saw passing it. his teammates into turn race, one. Yeah. Really Moving tidy half. move. Really, really good that was. Uh, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's it, yeah, I think Cole will give that to Hamilton and Perez for that sort of multi-corner duel because it was brilliant. Yeah. Last award. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? A couple of mentions here. Um, <laughs> someone in the Discord mentioned the fact that Martin Brundle does all his interviews with the microphone on a long stick for COVID rules, but he holds it. He holds the stick right next to the microphone and ends up standing closer to people than he's ever stood before. That's amazing. <laughs> Which is kind of a mockery. Um, also, the fact that all of the like post-session interviews, except the race, seem to take place in just the most echoey corridor full of fans with the most background yeah. noise possible that was that was dumb that was a <laughs> yeah. bad broadcast experience that was a, a weird say, choice yeah very very strange choice from sky to i guess they were just like they must get given a place in the paddock and that's their place and they have to do it there i don't think they have much control over where they get put so yeah. oh yeah it's totally like, this is the space you get a crappy position yeah and then i mean the one that most people mentioned is the fact that 
we saw every angle of the turn four incident except the one we all wanted to see, which, as we've sort of explained, is kind of out of the hands of the of, of the broadcast team. Um, well, the other the- thing as well is that we don't, you know, you're talking about digital content here, and we don't get any of this stuff until it's released to us. We don't get any of this yeah. stuff until um, they can get it, beam it over to us from the track. So they the FAA and farm get to choose what and when they they can send us and they didn't want to send us that right away so yeah um i think the most obvious one for me is just the decision to not investigate the thing that most blatantly looked like it needed investigating of the whole weekend yeah it's just outrageous stupid it is a yeah. that is by definition the biggest wtf yeah, it really is of of the season for them to not for them to not investigate that is just utter madness. Bizarre. It, it, yeah, strange. And every, literally every race driver on YouTube who does content, everyone in social media who's a race driver who makes things thinks that it was worthy of investigation. Yeah, I've not. And yet, Vitantonio Luzzi and whoever else was in the stewards' room deemed. Well, I don't know if Vitantonio Luzzi did have an opinion on it, but whatever happened, the stewards collectively their decision was to not investigate it and i'm laboring it now again but why are we why have we even got stewards if they're not going to investigate things that clearly clearly warrant investigation just they're, they're probably all having a nap after the long night they had before oh investigating God, the needed. real yeah. <laughs> right let's quick very quickly rattle through predictions um it wasn't the best of weeks for us we all got verstappen fastest in q3 uh, Verstappen is the fastest in Q3 because Hamilton was disqualified from that session. So by the rules, we have to give it to Verstappen, even Throw though he wasn't me, actually the fastest person on track. But he was the fastest person not in the disqualified car. Therefore, the point goes to him. Uh, the only the point we got between us was Tom got 18 finishes uh, correctly. Um, Gasly kind of let us all down a little bit. Um, we all had him a bit higher than he actually finished. In terms of the listeners, we had five people got four points. Uh, James Donoghue, Shane McGlinty, Rob Fletcher, Dwayne Pipe, and Brendan Bain. They all got Verstappen fastest in Q3 and Gasly seventh, and then between them got a selection of the other ones. So well done to all of you guys for getting four out of five. Wow, there's lots of points this week, isn't it? Yeah, actually quite a big scoring weekend. As for the overall standings, Stu, you remain equal top on 32 points with Charlie Ray and Nate Everett. Um, But lots of people, one, two, and three points behind you. So it's still insanely close. Um, Me and Tom, that two points from Tom actually has drawn him level with me. Uh, Me and Tom are now tied in 56th place on 24 points, which I think means we are now... Oh no, we're still not technically out of contention for the title, but yeah. we are. Eight points behind me. So yeah, there's 15 points left on the table. He's, he's clawing us back, Tom, isn't he? He really time. has. He was quite a way behind us one point, but mm. I'm not best pleased about that. <laughs> so that moves us on to the next race, the next the mystery we have, which is a race in Qatar, the Doha yeah. circuit. Um I mean, it's almost poss- impossible to preview, isn't it? It's, it's a complete unknown. It's, yeah, it's difficult. Um, I think go like if we if we were to throw a storyline each at it, I think my one would be probably 
well, it's, it's who's going to be quicker, isn't it? It's because that it looks to me like a track not a million miles dissimilar from Brazil, except maybe a little bit longer. The straight's obviously quite long. Yeah, um, there's a little so bit of a Bahrain I, vibe to it as well. Yeah, I would, I would lean towards Mercedes for a slight advantage there, but it's just impossible to say. And you mm. don't know what the conditions are going to be like. It's going to be dusty. Yeah. It's, it's who's going to get the tires working. Yeah, it's and it's obviously. Uh, is it a dusk race, this one, or a night race? I was about to ask you the same question. I actually don't know. <laughs> I think it's it's similar to Bahrain. It's a sort of twilight race, they call it. Yeah, it's they? certainly like late local time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah like, that's my storyline is who who will be quickest? Yeah, like no as much knows. as it, it looks like a quick track, there's a lot of straights. There's also a lot of corners which look like they're going to be not quite full throttle and that maybe brings it back towards the red balls a little bit because they tend to be good through those sort of corners so yeah tricky one to call Mm. which is good because it means it's impossible to i mean we've got it gonna have to tune in and check it out yeah gonna have to try and predict it as well uh i guess the other things to look out for are is there anything mclaren can do about this march that ferrari are on um i suspect not unfortunately but i'd like to see them take that battle down to the to the end of the season yeah um and i think that with both championships this close now bottas and uh, perez as well are like so important to the rest of this and seeing how yeah. it shakes out between them two as well is something to keep an eye on definitely right let's make some predictions let's make some predictions um fastest in q3 we have tom's predictions so i'm going to pop his in first and he has got max verstappen fastest in q3 I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to go Hamilton. I am inclined to agree with you, Stu. I think given the gap at this race, just, I mean, a half second gap is a circuit like that as well. I think that equates to probably, I mean, they're going to have to lose half a second a lap around a longer circuit. Never mind the, like, the form that, like back to back races after a race like that, like Hamilton and Mercedes is just going to be like so buoyant. So yeah, yeah, and that that stuff does make a difference for sure. Um, winner Tom has gone for the Verstappen double. Um, no, <laughs> Tom Tom's wrong. It's Hamilton. Uh, yeah, I was going to go first, but I kind of felt like we were both going to say the same thing. <clears throat> I think I think it's the Hamilton double for me as well. First DNF, this is where we're getting to trickier stuff. Tom predictably has gone for Raikkonen. Uh, I am going to go Stroll. See if um, Snowder can finish the job he tried to do in Brazil. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I'm just going to pluck a name out of the air. Ooh, I nearly said Giovinazzi, but he's we've got news about him, which means he'll probably have a good race based on that pressure being off his shoulders. Yeah. Let's say, let's say Sonoda. Number of finishers, Tom's gone 18. I'm going to jump in first and say 17. Ah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 16 then. No, I'm going to go 19. Sorry, 19. Oh, he's gone the other way. Yeah, I'm going to go the other way, 19. I mean, from what I've seen that track, there's not much to crash into there. That's true. So there's that at other least. Other than the other cars. It's quite tight in places, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and then finally, I say random driver. It's not random because there's only one left. We've been through the full grid of drivers now. And the last one remaining is Esteban Ocon. 
Hmm. So we'll have to throw them back in the pot for the last few races. Spice, yeah. We'll have to throw everyone back in the <clears> pot for the last few races. Yeah. Unless we want to spice things up, but I don't think that's fair. But anyway, <laughs> no. we'll get to, we'll, we'll, we will decide that later. Tom has um, gone ninth, Rock on. Where did he finish this race just gone? Uh, in Brazil, he was eighth. Hmm. Um, the Alpine has looked better. I'm going to go tenth. The lower points feel like the right place, don't they? Yeah. I think I'm going to go with Tom and say ninth on that one. Okay. Those are some good predictions. I think there's points there for all of us. I hope so. Mostly for me. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so that's predictions. If you want to get involved, it's never too late because there's always a prize every week for anyone who can get five out of five. Just head to backthegrid.com where you can uh, sign up and take place and you have until the beginning of Q1 to enter your predictions so you can wait till after practice to have a look if you want. Okay. Very, very quick bit of news before we move to Inbox. Uh, one of the uh, advantages of our podcast going terribly when we try to record it is that we're now after the news breaking that Guan Yuzhou is getting the final seat on the grid to partner Bottas at Alfa Romeo on a one-year deal. Obviously means Giovinazzi is now left without a seat after three years in F1. Um mm. One year deal. <clears throat> yeah. One one year deal has the presence of um Theopo chair looming in the background, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, I don't think this is particularly uh, it's definitely not a surprise to me. No, we've we've but, I think um, most the, people have seen this coming weekend, for a while. But, um Yeah, I, I you know, I, to me it's it's barely even news to be honest. Yeah. Grand Yuzu gets a seat in the second slowest car on the grid <laughs> yeah I'm excited nice to see what he can do um, obviously having a Chinese driver on the grid is like massive for the team from a kind of sponsorship point of view which is not to say I only think he's there for that reason I think he's proved in F2 that he's got he's got the goods he's got, he's got the got goods he's definitely yeah. got the goods yeah I feel a little bit sorry for Giovinazzi I, I don't think he, he's ever really had the chance to do what he's capable of um, no, I mean, he was supposed to be the the next Ferrari driver, wasn't he? For a long mm-hmm. time, they were they were teeing him up to be the Ferrari driver, and it's just not turned into anything for him. You know what, Giovinazzi will do really. I think Giovinazzi do really, really, really well in IndyCar. I think he'd make a great IndyCar driver. Yeah, I think so. Actually, I I, I also think there's a chance we'll see him pop up in um a works Ferrari GT um in oh, WC Lamar, or something. something like maybe yeah, that's the other place I yeah. can see him potentially going. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely more racing ahead for him. Um, a shame his F1 career didn't quite pan out the way he wanted to, but he's in that. He's always been that weird position where, like, his best results have been like, usually, like the best he can hope for is like an eleventh, or twelfth, or thirteenth, and those sort of results don't get you a seat on the grid, do they? No. Okay. Right. Let's quickly roll through a bit of inbox to finish up. Is uh, keep me saying now. Right, we've got quite a few similar ones here, so I've sort of grouped things together. Um, first, Bodie Coat, uh, how much do you think the sprint race factored into Lewis overcoming his uh, cumulative 25-place grid penalty? Um, feel like the sprint race allowed him to burn most of his penalty away. <clears throat> and Katie O'Brien sort of on the flip side said, do you think the sprint format, do you think the sprint format lost to Max the race this weekend? Um, starting 20th for the race instead of 10th for Lewis would have given him a much harder task of getting to the front um, I think I <laughs> don't think it made a difference 
I think, Do you think he'd if, still have done it from the back? Yeah, I think he would have. Uh, I, I think given the fact that he's made up 25 places <laughs> and how quickly he made up the... He got up to fifth. What was it? 14 laps? Not even, I don't think. Up I think he was still so, single digits. Wouldn't have made a difference. I think he was going to win that race, sprint or not. It's not like he took the lead with like two laps to go, was it? There was there was a chunk yeah, of time left at the that's end the there. Other thing. There was a good 10 laps left yeah. at the end for him to enjoy the lead as well, enjoy the clear air. And he didn't have to pull a gap once he did. So, yeah. Um, uh, of zero consequence, ultimately, <laughs> the, uh, the disqualification. But hey-ho. Uh, next one, Lee and Brizzle McLaren also. So Lee's is... Is this just a good sprint race because Brazil is good or because the sprint has merit as a format? And Brizzle McLaren says, should the reverse grid sprint chat be resurrected after this inadvertent plot of it with Hamilton on Saturday? It was very enjoyable as a viewer, especially after Perez admitted he didn't want to risk overtaking Bottas during it. Um, I think so... Definitely, the sprint race was good because McLaren because Hamilton started from the back. Mm-hmm. For me, like I don't think the sprint race would have been that interesting otherwise. No, it was it was the best of the sprint races we've had because of Hamilton starting from the back. I don't think it would have yeah, been they nearly as they enjoyable without it. They gifted they gifted us a good race. Yeah. But, but I think any race is good when the fastest car starts at the back, especially when the margin's so huge. So yeah, and. Yeah. And yeah. on, on reverse grid races, I think it is a really good advert for reverse grid races. I think seeing it would have been fast. One thing I was really hoping for after qualifying was that they'd put both Verstappen and Hamilton to the back and then we yeah, could no, just that watch the fireworks from there. That would have been hectic. So um, I think, you know, like they should at least try it. Like they've got this attitude of like, let's let's try new things. Let's let's try out new new formats for the sprint races why not give one of them a um give one of them a back, you know reverse championship or the reverse grid race i think it'd be great mm-hmm. yeah I, I totally agree uh, uh, next one next tom Knoll. um what do you think is behind the huge increase in mercedes top speed i know lewis took a new engine but it shouldn't be that much faster uh, it seems a bit fishy do you think whatever it is is legal um, it's new engine and trick rear wing, isn't it? <laughs> so what I actually think is a big part of this is the amount of new, specifically internal combustion engines that Bottas has taken this season. I think, because Mercedes have had an issue with um, reliability of their uh, internal combustion De- engines degre- all season. Degradation, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. So I think... All of these new ICs that Bottas has taken taken has been Mercedes running Bottas's engines much higher as a test bed to see how far they can be pushed. So Hamilton can now take this one for the last four races of the season and they know we can safely turn it up to this much. And Hamilton's just running an engine turned up higher than he's had for the whole rest of the season. And I think that's a massive part of it. And that's why... Bottas has taken so many engines. It's a very, very interesting train of thought. That is my theory on it anyway. Yeah. I think it's no one thing. I think over a season, the cars develop yeah. and they become things. I think that's pro- what you're saying is probably a big part of it. I think the brand new engine is always a huge advantage for the Mercedes. You know, 
Chris, even Christy Torn has admitted that. Yeah. Is there some trick component or some something <laughs> illegal? You're asking if something's illegal about the Mercedes, and I don't think there is. I think there's anything illegal about the Mercedes. No, I don't think so either. But I don't think there's anything Ill- illegal about the Red Bull either. I think no. I, I'm I'm quite happy to watch them develop these cars and get the must the as much out of them as they can within the rule set. And yeah, they push them right up to the lines of the rules, sometimes ever so slightly over, and that's that's what you want. That's what's exciting. That's about Formula it. One. That's yeah. Formula One. Um, next one, Guy Thompson. What has happened to McLaren? They seem to have fallen off a cliff edge since Russia. Is this down to a halt in development or simply tracks not suiting their car? Norris was cruising around in third, unchallenged for half of the season. Um, I think it's back to the McLaren, the Mercedes engine thing again. Mm-hmm. I think they've probably got they've probably run their engines maybe a little bit hotter than what they might have if they wanted to make them last a bit longer and they're reaching that degradation point of the engines where they just don't have the same straight light speed as what they've had previously in the season. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's that coupled with maybe tracks that don't suit them so much. And also I think Ferrari just seemed to have, the whole season Ferrari just consistently understood that car more and more and got better and better. And I think the drivers are more comfortable in it as well. Ferrari's probably got a bit more development. Um, McLaren are probably now looking towards next season i don't think there'll be much more development on that mclaren yeah it's it'll be interesting to see how this season with those two teams relative to each other affects how they start next season but yeah time will tell that Mm -hmm. Uh, last one from nikki it seems like red bull would rather win in the stewards office than on the track are they afraid of mercedes and how good lewis is or do they not think max can hold on to the lead oh uh I'm not sure that's fair. Uh, <laughs> I think they definitely. There's definitely been times this season when they've tried to influence the stewards more than maybe they might have. Spe- specifically after Silverstone, I think to run mm-hmm. Albon around the circuit <laughs> in a completely different car and then throw a load of data at it and present that as new evidence when it was clearly manufactured evidence is kind of a testament to what you're saying there. But um, you said it, not me. So I don't, <laughs> I'm not. Kind of, I'm, I don't really want to subscribe to that idea. I don't like that idea. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But I don't like the idea that they are pressuring the the stewards to make things difficult for their yeah. opponents. I don't think they're significantly more guilty of that than any other team is. Yeah, th- we just fair. we see more of it because they're at the front. Yeah, and they broadcast it over the FIA radio. Yeah, also which true. is really not what you want to see as a fan. But <laughs> Um, but I do agree that they do. I think a few races ago, things were looking extremely good for them and really not good for Mercedes. And that story has flipped on its head now. And I do think Red Bull are looking at these remaining races and are worried about where they're going to get the points they need to wrap this up. Yes. I they think, seem I, less I confident than they did one or two races ago, for sure. Uh, Absolutely, definitely. I think this this race has definitely it's rattled the hell out of them. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just can't wait for Friday now to see how practice goes on Friday because yeah, we're already into the next race. Yeah, and the, you know that it's going to be more or less at sea level that race. You'd expect the McLaren, the Mercedes, to be a bit better. Um, yeah, I I can see Mercedes. I, I I can't imagine Red Bull 
having an easy time of it these next three races. So no, they they I think they really really wanted that win so that they could make sure they could see they wanted to seal the deal, and they probably would have sealed the deal if they won at Brazil. Mm-hmm. I think Mercedes would have had a much much tougher task, but I think Mercedes go into these final three races confident that they're able to put up a real fight against Red Bull and maybe even have an advantage against them because yeah. all season they haven't. All season that Mercedes has been the slower car and with this new internal combustion engine and their performance at, at, at Brazil, at Interlagos, at Sao Paulo, whatever we're calling this Grand Prix <laughs> this weekend, um, Mercedes have very clearly got the fastest car at the moment. Yeah. Or they did at that track. So the question now is, will it continue into the next three races? Mm-hmm. So, and I can't wait to find out. No, I think the important thing is like, if Verstappen had won this race, Mercedes would then have been relying on him dropping points to close the gap. Whereas with Hamilton yeah. winning this, that Mercedes destiny is in their own hands now. Yes, exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> and the same is now also true for both teams. And that's exactly what we want for these last three yeah. races. It's perfect. Could not be more poised. It than really that's what couldn't. Which seems like a nice place to leave it. So thank you everyone, as always, for joining us, especially to our um, lovely patrons on Discord who uh, we had a very good time discussing the goings-on over the entire weekend and trying to find out when we'd get decisions. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us, as always, you can go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those things. Just search Back of the Grid and you'll find us. It's backofthegrid.com for the Predictions League and there's a contact us form there as well and patreon.com forward slash back of the grid if you want to see how you can get involved with the discord and all the other stuff so we'll be back next week to review the first ever qatar grand prix before we finally get a week's break because it feels like the races have been even closer than a week apart recently can't wait but yeah until then thanks for joining us and goodbye bye